everybody. My name is Robert P., compulsive overeater food addict. Uh, thank you, Lorraine, and everybody else on this meeting doing service tonight. Um, like I said, I am a compulsive overeater food addict. I am a 100-pounder. I have just a quick little background. I um, have been abstinent just over four years. Uh, January 17th was four years. That's my date. And I've released with program well over 400 pounds. And um, I th I'll talk about it a little bit. I think I'm around my goal weight. It's uh, it's difficult. I, I haven't really talked about that a lot, but it's difficult because different doctors say that I have a certain amount of skin. So until some of that skin's removed, I kind of won't know where I am. But um, probably around 30 to 50 pounds is what I've been told. But like I said, I came into, well, I came into program about five years ago. Um, I am 40 years old. I was 40 last year. I've been a compulsive overeater as long as I can remember. Um, probably five years old. I can really remember eating food for things other than what food was intended. I was um, trying to escape, numb out, very um, trauma-filled um, childhood. I think a lot of us can relate to that. I had a lot of physical and emotional abuse, and um, food was kind of my constant, my go-to, my safety net, I guess, my way to escape. Um, and I grew up in a home where, the, you know, food was always there. So it was, uh, like I said, a constant. Um, when my grandmother died, she kind of protected me a lot from my primary abuser, who was my father. And that's when I really noticed, if I look back at pictures now, and I was about seven years old, was um, when I was larger than the other kids in school pictures every year more and more you know never had a pair any kind of clothing even as an adult right as kids we grow anyway but as an adult i i never wore the same size it was always having to buy a bigger size like i was never went from one year to the next you know where the winter coat was the same or um which is a miracle of the program that I'm experiencing now, you know. First of all, buying clothes that I want to buy and want to wear, not ones that just fit, and then have, you know, them be kind of constant, a couple sizes, you know, I'm in a couple sizes. And um, so when I graduated high school, you know, everything that goes along with being a morbidly obese child is, uh, you know, a lot of isolation and a lot of loneliness and sadness. And, um, yeah, shame, I guess. Guilt and shame are a big part of my disease process. And um, when I graduated high school, I was over 300 pounds. I did go to... Um, nursing school once I graduated and I found a sense of purpose there. I started partying a lot too, of course eating. It was always about the food for me, but to fit in it was a lot of partying and I, I touch on that just because that's what got me into the room into OA. Because I never knew OA existed. I tried everything. I had tried every 
pain way, all of that stuff. And and I had um, lap band surgery, and that, that just didn't work. And I became a nurse, and then I went to practitioner med school. And I was in school, and um, this was my early 30s, and my body it started catching up with me. Um, I had an ulcer on my leg. I was going to lose my leg. I, um, and then my, well, I had ruptured appendix, which was a part of my disease process. After that, I had lap band and I just knew it would work. This is it. Like, this is the fix. This is the secret. You know, this, this will work. And it, it didn't. I mean, <laughs> I was cheating by day one, you know, supposed to be on a liquid diet. I mean, I, I was cheating by day one. And it's just so much denial about looking back now that I understand that it's a disease. It was so much denial because I feel like people around me were like, oh, yeah, it's just another thing he's going to, it's insanity, right? It's trying all these things, thinking they're going to work and trying them over and over again, and they didn't work. And I was convinced it was going to work. I think people around me knew it wasn't going to. And um, I was so devastated and surprised and shocked when it didn't work and it it didn't work i gained you know i lost you know 20 30 pounds because that was something i was required i needed to lose some weight before they would do the surgery um i guess just to prove that i could lose weight i'm i can lose weight i'm professional i can lose weight i'm gonna gain it back on back on but i can lose weight if you ask me to and um back then and um so then what happened was um my i had ruptured um perforated diverticulitis of the colon perforated abdomen and i had three surgeries in a year and they were so concerned that i would be so malnutritious malnutritioned malnourished and lose all this weight and i did i mean i didn't I gained weight, but I had poor healing. Everything that goes around, you know, along with being, I was over 500 pounds. I was like five something at that point, 530. And um, poor healing, poor pain control, all that stuff that goes along with that. Because I was, I was malnourished, you know. You can be malnourished gaining weight because I was not eating healthy at all. And um, so... It, I, I had three surgeries in a year, and I did develop an addiction to pain medication, and that got me into treatment rooms. I won't go into all the details, but it was a very public thing. It got me into treatment rooms, and on the last day, the nurse handed me a brochure for um, Overeaters Anonymous, and um, I was so angry and shame. There was more it was, this was a very public drug addiction I had at the hospital I worked at and arrest and all of this. I had more shame around the food than with that. Seriously, like, do not take my freaking food away. Like, that my disease was just screaming. And I was so angry, like, how dare you think I have a problem with food sitting here at 600 pounds, you know? How dare you? And um, I went... And I also got a therapist after treatment. And I went to um, OA meetings. I binged on the way there. This is when they were still in person. Um, where they were only in person around where I lived. And um, they 
I would binge on the way I'd binge after and I lied about it. And I, I went there to try to get the food plan. Like, I'm like, what's the food plan? And they said, well, just keep coming back. I'm like, no, like, give me the plan. When's the graduation date? No, just keep coming back. And so that frustrated me. I wasn't ready to hear it then. Um, about six months in, my therapist looked at me and I was clean and sober now for six months thinking I'm working this wonderful recovery program. I'm going to OA meetings, you know, picking which ones to go to so I can decide what I'm going to binge on on the way there. Like, that's how I pick my meetings. And my therapist looked at me and said, I hope you know you're not in recovery. And I was so angry. I was like, are you kidding me? You want to hear my list? I have a list. I am a sponsor. I sponsor, you know, I am a sponsor. I have a sponsor. I go to meetings. I do all this stuff. She's like, you're clean and sober. Don't get me wrong. You're clean and sober, but you're not in recovery. You're using food even more than you did before. You're gaining more weight. I physically couldn't walk into the hospital. I was so short of breath. She said, you are dying in front of me. You need to want to live more than I want you to live. And it was the first time I was like, maybe I want to live. Because when everything happened with the drug addiction, I was suicidal. Like I, I, I was there, I was sitting there and a voice told me not to. And, um, but at this point when she said that, I said, well, maybe I do want to live. Cause everybody would say, oh, this weight, you're never going to survive. I know you're going to die soon. Okay. What's the other option? I don't have enough. I did not have another option. I had tried everything. Like, you're telling me something like that. I don't know. I know. I know I'm going to. I knew I had dates. The highest it ever went was 30, um, 36 years old. And at first it was like, you'll make it to 28. That's it. 30, 32, and then 36. Because I just knew. But I didn't know what the other option was treatment center. She wanted it to be 12-step based. She wanted it to address it as food addiction and not just an eating disorder. And um, we found when it was hard and I got abstinent. I got abstinent there. And it was a five-day program and I got abstinent and it was my first taste of hope. And, um, and it's where something shifted in me as far as I knew if anything was going to work, this was going to be the only thing because I, this was more success in these, in that room and in the online rooms after with the treatment center and then coming to OA meetings, there's more success there when I was looking for it. I wasn't looking for it before, but there was more there than I went to my bariatric meetings after surgery. And, um, and so I knew this was going to be the way. If anything was going to work, and I still didn't know it was going to work, but if anything was going to work, I knew this had, you know, I had the best shot with this. So when I got home, though, I right back in with the flour and the sugar, and I was binging again. But I was being honest. I was honest almost to a fault. My therapist and my sponsor said, they said, you are great at telling on yourself now after you binge. Let's get to where you tell on yourself before you do it. And so there was work there, but it was um, it was me being honest and staying connected. And I remember ordering, I, I think I share this almost every time. So if you've heard me share before, I apologize. But it's a big part where I 
um, of my story where I ordered over $200 worth of groceries and I had them delivered and it was all junk. And there was just, it wasn't me. There was something in my voice that, or in my head that said, you know, just say what you're going to do because I kept hearing that from my sponsor, from my facilitator, my therapist. Like, if you're going to go eat that, say, I'm going to go eat that. And that's what I did. I called a fellow. It was later. Well, it wasn't that late. But so I called a fellow and said, hey, just want to let you know, I um, ordered $200 worth of groceries and I'm going to eat it. Right. And he was like, great. Thanks for telling me. He said, and he paused and he said, are you willing to throw it away? And I stopped. I, I feel like there was like a two hour silence there. And I was just like, you have got to be kidding me. Throw it away. Are you kidding? I just spent all this money on all this food. And something other than Robert spoke up and said, yeah, I'm willing to throw it away. And he said, all right, let's do it. I'll stay on the phone with you. And um, I threw it away. And he said, what are you going to do now? And I said, I guess I'll go to a damn meeting. I mean, I was going to go to a meeting. I don't want to go to a meeting. I said, I guess I'll go to a meeting. So he said, great, call me on the way. So I went to the bathroom to get ready, and I was so angry. I remember I went to my knees, and I screamed up at God, and I said, if you think you can fill in the blank, do this, I'll give you one shot. I'll give you one damn shot if you think you can do this, And um, because I knew I couldn't. And I was abstinent from sugar and flour from that point on. When I look back, it wasn't like I had this miracle revelation or anything. I was angry. I was I was angry. But I, I was not abstinent by any means. I was still binging. Um, you know, I had started to work the steps. And I um, I knew I was powerless. I knew step one. And I believed in God. I believed in a God that I grew up with. But the God I believe, and I surrendered to that God. However, that version of God that I grew up with, that higher power, I was angry at and I didn't trust. So it didn't work out so well. So that was when I look back, that that was something that needed to be worked on. So I, I ended up going several months later, January 17th. I ended up going four years, oh, just over four years ago to a three-day alumni weekend. And... I remember somebody saying, I I remember judging myself about going to meetings and doing stuff, right? And I'm like, oh, I'm just, I went to the meeting, but I wasn't happy to go. You know, I felt like I always had to be skipping everywhere and happy to go. And that's just not my story. I'm always glad when I go. I'm always grateful when I do it. And I always have this inner voice or I have this knowing when I need to do something. And it's usually because I don't want to do it. But I didn't want to go to the alumni. Well, I I wanted to go to the alumni weekend, but I kept trying to talk my way out of it. And it's in Florida. Five-minute gentle reminder. Thank you so much. And it is in Florida. It's about a six-hour drive. So I usually get about halfway there. I pull over, and I I called that same fellow, and I said, hey, I'm not going. And he said, okay great. You don't have to go. And I said, great, I'm going to turn around. He said, but why don't you go? 
get there, walk in the door. I'm on the East Coast. I'm yeah, he's on the West. I'm on the East Coast. He's on the West Coast. He said, if you get there and you walk in the door and you don't want to do it, get back in your car. I'll talk to you the whole way home. And that's kind of I've gone with that to just go, just get myself wherever it is I need to go. So anyway, I went to that weekend and I was I've been absent from Sugar and Flour. I've had, now I'm saying I've had um, food uh, food slips. I've had times where I've restarted my days and cleaned up my food. But I've had sol- pretty solid um, abstinence, imperfect, for the last four years. And I've had people say, well, what was the miracle words that were said at that alumni weekend? And I know it was great because I know the people now very well, but I I couldn't tell you half the stuff that was said there. That first night, I could not sleep, and I lay there in bed, and I had a conversation and just talked with my higher power of my understanding and just developed, started to develop a relationship and started to really work the steps, really, really work the steps. And um, and that's what that's what shifted it for me. Um, I weigh and measure, and you know, so I've, I've released the weight. I've, I have a pause. I, I pause now before I react. It's not perfect. I just came back from a trip, my first really plane trip that I've taken abstinent where I haven't had to buy two plane seats. It was a miracle. It was for my mom's 70th birthday and it was not perfect. I've been processing it. It it was a huge deal and it really got to some of my character defects and um but there's so much I learned out there and there's so much I learned from that trip and will continue to learn from. And I'm a student for life. There is no, you know, graduation date. It's just that door for recovery that slightly cracks just continues to open. And, I, and I'm grateful for that because I, I don't have to do this perfectly. I, I, I just have to continue to do it. And what it looks like today is I weigh and measure my food. That's the way I was taught. That's how I do it. I don't weigh and measure when I go out. I just commit it a little differently. Um, no flour, no sugar, and there's a couple other things on my food plan that I've discovered over the years that I don't have on my food plan that are triggers for me. I commit my food to my sponsor the night before. I text her. I also, with that, write out my disturbances for the day along with my um, three gratitudes, one for my, I'm pretty sure I heard somebody share it on this meeting. And it was a couple of years ago, and I've done it ever since. Is uh, one three gratitudes, one for to my higher power, one to myself, and one to somebody else for that day. And um, I do my meditation, my prayer in the morning, and my reading. I do ten steps throughout the day as they come up, and send them to a fellow. I do a nightly review as we retire, and I send it to a fellow. And um, I sponsor, I have a sponsor, I text her every day, we talk. We've been talking a lot more frequently with this trip, but it just depends on what's going on. And um, I'm sure I'm missing something and that's okay too. And 
I think I'll just wrap up with um, to the newcomer. I came in these rooms and I hated myself. I loathe myself, and you might be there right now. And the people in these rooms, the more I opened up and the more I was honest, and even when there was so much shame about around my everything, these people in these rooms loved me until I could learn to love myself. And um, these rooms saved my life. You know, it's, it's, it's a spiritual program. The food was never the problem. The food was always my solution. But the, the problem was a spiritual, emotional problem. And the solution is here in these rooms and in this big book. So with that, I will pass. Uh, I will leave my number. My name is Robert. I am on Robert P. I'm on the East Coast. My number is 229-395-6565, Eastern Standard Time. Please text first so I know you're from OA. And thank you again for inviting me to speak tonight. I pass.